Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. Bibles go to Genesis chapter number six. Genesis chapter number six. If you need a copy of the handout, just raise your hand. One of our men will put one in your hand, and that way you can follow along this morning, and and, uh, maybe it'll be a help to you to take some notes, be reminded of a thought that could help you this coming week. We are currently introducing 12 principles Uh, which support our 2023 theme, which is located behind me, and that is Stay Strong. 65 years, we've been a lighthouse in this community. In July, we'll celebrate that 65th year together, dinner on the grounds, and we have a special speaker coming in. It's going to be an awesome Sunday morning. But if we're going to continue for another 65 years, should the Lord tarry, We need to have some principles that we live by to help us stay strong as a ministry. Ministry is not strong because of Brent Armstrong. This ministry will be strong because the people of the church desire to do what's right and stay faithful. So church family, I'm challenging you to take these principles and to make them part of your life, the way you live. Here's what I will absolutely assure you. Three things. Number one, with you personally, Number two, with your family, and number three, with this church. If you'll introduce these principles and live by these principles in your life, you will be successful in all three areas that I just mentioned. Your personal life, your family life, and our church life. And who doesn't want to be successful? I've yet to meet someone who says, yes, I want to be a complete failure in life. We all want to be successful, but the problem is there's different measuring sticks of that success, and the problem is is that Some don't want it as much as others. Folks, I want our church to stay strong. I want our church to be stronger next year than it is this year. And so let me just quickly, just very quickly remind you, principle number one we looked at some time ago. Someone is taking your picture. And with each one of these principles, we looked at a Bible character. And we looked at the Bible character, Daniel. And that Daniel, he controlled the controllables. Daniel respected non perfect authority. Daniel was not afraid to have his picture taken when the decree was made that only the king would be worshipped. He opened his windows as he did before and he still prayed to God. Uh, In our second message we learned that someone needs your encouragement. Now that's something that we don't have to wait and start when the series is over. You can be doing that today. That's why I want you to encourage those involved in our music program. Just say thank you to them. Someone needs your encouragement. Too often We're laser-focused on mistakes. Too often, we're laser-focused on things we don't like. Too often, we're trying to find fault rather than be laser-focused on the successes of other people. And so let's not be distracted. Let's try to find people doing right and encourage them. And uh, Barnabas was our Bible character. He led by example, and he persuasively encouraged others um, to give around him, encouraged others uh, around him. Our third principle was your commitments reveal your cause. 
Your commitments reveal your cause. And we looked at Elisha, and Elisha was doing his job whether or not anyone else noticed. And by the way, um, God always sees what we're doing. God knows what you're doing. Whether or not there's another human being that sees that, God sees it. And we should be passionate in our purpose to serve Jesus Christ. And we should avoid embarrassing half-committed efforts like it's so easy to do as a Christian. Principle number four is that we introduced, and that is we need to impose our will. And this application was very simple. Either the world's going to impose their will on you, or you're going to impose your will with the help of Jesus Christ on the world. Uh, being on both teams is not an option. You cannot be on the devil's team and God's team at the same time. You're going to be on one team or the other. Stay strong principle number five is this. The voices you listen to impact your choices. And every time we read our Bible and we spend time in prayer and we listen to a godly church member, we listen to godly music, these are the voices that have a direct impact, a result uh, to make, help us make those directional choices in life. Stay strong, principle number six, uh, serving never ends. We looked at that great man, Elijah. He had a wild day, unlike any that we can even imagine called down rain from heaven, called down fire from heaven. He ran the fastest marathon that's ever been uh, ran. He killed the false prophets. And um, he, he actually had the biggest wild day of wild days. And then he got down because Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And then he went into a deep funk and became depressed and uh, went, went under a juniper tree and just said, I wish I could die. God never, ever addressed that. He said, Elijah, get back up. There's more work for you to do and told him what to do. My friend, your serving never ends. It's not age specific. You can serve until Jesus comes. And so every one of us, we should be serving. Stay strong, principle number seven. Your personal success is directly tied uh, to the leaders you follow. Jesus was our example. He asked great questions. He was a great listener. He developed great learners. Jesus had a correct mindset. It was amazing the things that Jesus uh, taught his disciples and thus te teaches us of how we should live our life. Um, who is leading in your life? And by, by leading, who's a mentor in your life? Who's someone that's impacting your life? Stay strong. Principle number eight is you focus on the noise, game over. We should be great at preparation, and we should look where we're going, and we should stop turning around. And I, I said in this message that distractions are the enemy of destinations, and your mentors and the people that you surround yourself, they help shape your successes, and, and, or, your, or they help accentuate your failures based on the people that's in your life. This morning, we only have today and next week, and that's it. Our 12 principles will be uh, have been introduced. Two, two weeks left today and next week. I introduced you principle, uh, the next two principles, 9 and 10. And today it's found in Genesis chapter number 6. And as we've done with each principle, we've examined a Bible character. And this morning is no different. We're going to look at two different Bible characters and the two principles that we're going to introduce. You have Genesis chapter 6 before you. Let's read this story and see if you can figure out who's today's Bible character. Genesis chapter 6, verse number 14. The Bible says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within, and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of 
The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in the cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Father, please help my voice to stay strong for this message. Please touch it. I pray that you help each one of us to be uh, careful listeners of that which is being entrusted to us from the Word of God, that we might be mindful of the things that we hear, and therefore to set into action. May we be accountable for this message and be willing to respond as needed. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay strong. Principle number nine is this. There is no such thing as instant success. There's no such thing as instant success. Now, Tucson Baptist Temple back in 1958, was founded. Tucson Baptist Church currently today was not instantly successful. In fact, meaningful, long-term results required investments of time and planning. In fact, it, is, it has been recorded um, by many testimonies within those who are of the older generation of this church that Pastor Johnson would knock on 100 doors inviting people. It was not instantly successful. He invested a great deal of time energy and effort we look at a bible character who's today's bible character his name is noah Noah. one of the best biblical examples of achieving long-term results is the example of noah and now opinions can vary on how long it took noah and his family to build the ark it varies from 55 to 95 years Um, it's an amazing story nonetheless think about building something for decades that was completely new And the survival of your family depended on it. I love this story, even though it is hard to believe that somebody would hear from God to build an ark. Now, I ask you a question. Would any any person alive on planet Earth have ever heard the word ark before this? No. Because one had never been built. Can you use your creative imagination? There's a forest because there's lots of trees that are necessary to build an ark. And Noah is heard from God and says, I want you to build an ark. We read that in Genesis chapter 6. So Noah, he goes out and uh, he begins cutting down trees. At first, no one pays any attention. This could have been Noah building a house. But along the way, he keeps cutting down trees and more trees and more trees. If you've ever seen the actual replica of the ark that is up in the Cincinnati area, um, I've seen pictures, have yet to to go visit it. Many of you have visited it, and you say it is amazing how large it is. So Noah begins to cut all these trees down. At some point, someone thinks to ask Noah a question. Noah, why are you cutting down so many trees? Oh, don't worry, I'm building an ark. A what? Yeah, yeah, I'm building an ark. Okay, uh, an ark. What is an ark, Noah? Well, it's, it's a boat. And I'm going to take all these animals on it, and anybody else that wants to go with me that believes that God's going to send judgment on the earth, and there's going to be rain. Rain? What's rain? If you study your Bibles, had it ever rained before? It rained. The, the, the Bible teaches us that, um, that the, the, wa- the ground was watered from below and the crops and everything. So rain, the dew of the earth. So rain, uh, so 
Noah, you've gone mad. An ark? Never heard that word before. Rain? Never heard that word before. What's going to happen? Well, God says he's going to send judgment because you're living in sin. But if you'll believe on God, you'll repent of that, you could get on this ark with me and you'll be saved. Noah, you've gone mad. I'm not getting on that thing. By the way, where's the water coming from? You're building it in a forest where all the trees are. Can you imagine such a thing? It was absurd to think of what Noah was going to do. Well, let me give you a couple things that Noah did. Number one, Noah worked before he played. Noah worked before he played. In Luke chapter 17, the Bible says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. You know what that verse is saying? Well, everyone else was having a good time. Noah was working. The Bible tells us that marriage ceremonies were happening up until the day that Noah and his family entered into that ark. Here's a very simple truth. Successful people do the things that unsuccessful people are unwilling to do. Successful people do the things that unsuccessful people are unwilling to do. Now notice that word unwilling. It's not that after, it's not that other people are unable to do what successful people do. It's that, that they're unwilling. Hard work is a choice. I'm so thankful that I'm looking at hundreds and hundreds of people today, knowing many of you, you work hard. Noah made the choice that he was going to work hard while everyone around him was playing. But you know what our current society is like? Our current society really wants to play first and work only as necessary. The Bible says it should be the other way around. We should work before we play. And God has created us to be most satisfied and most fulfilled when we work to our limits. Noah, in spite of being scoffed at and mocked and ridiculed, he worked before he played. Here's the second thing I see in this story is that Noah, and I don't want you to miss it, Noah, he focused on the details. Noah focused on the details. Return with me again to our text. The Bible says in Genesis 6 and verse number 15, And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. Let me tell you what that is. That's 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. That is a building. That's a huge building. That's a monstrous building. And then you consider in the time period in which this was done, that was like a skyscraper. It was so big. Verse number 16, a window that thou shalt make to the ark. In other words, there's going to be a roof. One cubit. Now, that's about 18 inches. And thou shalt finish it above. God told Noah what type of wood to use, how long to make it, how wide to make it, how tall to make it, where to put the doors and windows, and many other details that Noah had to follow in order for this to be a successful boat ride. Imagine Noah had taken some shortcuts. Imagine if Noah didn't pitch it within and pitch it without. Imagine if Noah said, you know what? God doesn't really know what he's talking about. I want the window over here. I want the door here. I don't think it needs to be that wide. There's not that many animals. Tragedy would have happened. Let me personalize this. Do details matter? Noah focused on the details. 
2018, many of you uh, have joined our church since 2018. 2018, five years ago, was the absolute worst year perhaps in the history of our church, but certainly since I became the pastor back in 2009. We had two beautiful and precious souls who were murdered in our church. And we had six break-ins with significant loss and damage to our church. Our Spanish pastor had an emotional breakdown and ultimately decided to move to another ministry. We experienced a real cash loss of $120,000 through the break-ins and all that happened with the Spanish ministry and the deaths. It was an ugly year. To top all that, in our own personal life, it was Saturday, July the 14th of 2018 at 3.55 p.m. when our son Benjamin, he texted me. And here's his exact text. I still have it on my phone. Please pray for me. Our house is on fire. Everyone is safe. The fire department just pulled up. Patio, fireplace, burn up. I immediately thought, whew, everything's going to be okay. Uh, only it wasn't. There was, there was this long period of time, excruciating period of time, from 3.55 p.m. on that Saturday until 6.25 p.m. when Benjamin called me. And all he could say through his sobbing was, everything is gone. The house completely burned down. We were numb. Shelly and I cried. We hurt for our children, grandchildren. Benjamin texted me in a text I'll never delete. Dad, I need you to come and help me navigate all of this. I was there when the fire inspector came on Monday morning. The house was still smoldering. The smell was horrible. Upon investigation, it was determined that the cause of the fire was the chimney pipe had never been attached inside the chimney. And it led to the roof, uh, the roof catching on fire in his house. A seemingly insignificant detail. The contractor who had installed the fireplace forgot to attach the raw, that little round pipe. And as a result, many people could have died. They lost everything. It was their very first fire in their patio fireplace that was connected to the fireplace inside their home. Since the flue or pipe was not connected, all of the smoke and all the sparks went straight into their attic. And they were innocently sitting out on their patio when they smelled the smoke and something wasn't right. A lack of attentiveness to details can have a much larger consequence than you might think. A small white lie can cause irreparable harm to someone's reputation. A failure to daily read your Bible and pray can have significant adverse impacts in your life and those who are around you. A seemingly insignificant little detail that, you know what, I don't have to pay attention to that, can have great harm down the road. You see, the man who committed those two murders, if he would have been in the Word of God, if he would have been right with the Lord, had he been praying, had he been being faithful, he would never even thought about killing his wife, daughter, and trying to kill his son. Had the contractor followed the blueprints, our son's house would have never burned down. 
They would have never lost everything they owned save the clothes on their back. Listen to me. I have everyone's attention. You say, I don't really need to read God's word every day. It's okay, pastor. I'll be there next Sunday. It's okay if I don't pray every day. Pastor, it's really okay if I don't give of my tithes and offerings. You see, it's okay. I need the money more than God needs it. When you decide which details that you want to follow, you cannot complain about the, de- about the results of those decisions you make. But when you follow the details of this book, you'll be like Noah and save yourself and your family. Every single day for years, I pray for my family. It used to go like this years ago. Uh, Father, thank you so much for my family. Would you bless them and keep them safe today? Is there anything wrong with that prayer? It's a legitimate prayer. Until until I hear about this incident or that incident happens, and then my prayer life began to change. And and now it's like, Heavenly Father, would you put a hedge of protection around our family? Benjamin and Valerie, Hunter Sloan and Bennett, Jonathan, Janessa, Raylan, Emery, Brindley, Mark, Jennifer, Rowan, and Brady, uh, Mom, Shelly, Grandma Collins, Gary, and Shan, every single day. And Lord, would you please put that hedge of protection around them and keep the devil away from them and let there not be any influence, temptation, attack, oppression, or depression from the devil. Lord, would you keep our family safe from a natural disaster or a man-made disaster? Lord, would you please keep our family free from sickness, accidents, disease, and death? Lord, would you please keep our family free from a kidnapping or a carjacking? Lord, would you please keep our family free from a mechanical breakdown today? Lord, would you please keep our family free from making poor choices? And Lord, would you please save our eight grandchildren every single day? I pray and ask the Lord that little details matter. And then, when Raylan nearly cuts off the end of her finger and has to have part of it amputated, I say, well, that was in God's perfect plan because I prayed this morning that there wouldn't be any accidents, so God allowed that to happen for a reason. Folks, the little details matter. And sometimes we get so grumpy and contrary and we get uh, angry with God and we want to blame everyone else when the fact of the matter is is that we do not pay attention to the details. Noah built a building in spite of scorn, in spite of ridicule, in spite of, of people mocking him, and they continue to party. The Bible says that up until the day God says, Noah, get in the ark. The Bible says... Did Noah close the door? God closed the door. It was done. It was finished. You see, here's what I love about this story. Noah did what God had commanded him to do, and then God took care of the rest. God protected Noah and his family. God's the one who sent the rain and the flood. God is the one who said that everyone who did not believe in him would perish, except for Noah in his family. Details matter. And there's a lot of Christians, a lot of us, who are not taking care of the details of our Christian life. I see that Noah also finished strong. The Bible gives us details about the life of Noah. 
In fact, in Genesis chapter number 7, the Bible says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken open, and the windows of heaven were open. <coughs> the Bible says in Genesis chapter 8, And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. I love the details of the word of God. Genesis chapter 8, verse 14. And in the second month, on the 7th and 20th day of the month, was the earth dried. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Noah ended up being in that ark, in that monstrous building with all of these animals for an entire year. The flood water prevailed upon the earth, for the Bible says, for 150 days. But Noah patiently finished the job for another Seven months. I think you might understand this, understand this. Has any of you ever had cabin fever? Do you remember 2020? Even then, you still had lots of freedoms to move about. Imagine Noah. How difficult it must have been waiting to day after day in that ark. Bible even says in Genesis 8 and verse 14, God was the one who's going to tell them when they could leave the ark. The ark must have been cramped. Can you imagine? It had to have smelled awful from human and animal waste for a year. The menu surely lacked variety. Nevertheless, Noah finished strong, waiting on the Lord for the next move. Maybe I could illustrate this way. Love this story. 1952. Um, I wasn't yet thought of. Some of you were. 1950. How many of you are alive in 1952? All right. Here we go. You might even remember this story. Her name was Florence Chadwick. She attempted a 26-mile swim from the California coastline over to Catalina Island. And um, uh, about 15 hours into her swim, a thick fog moved in. And it made it difficult for Florence or her team to see the island. And after swimming for another hour, she swam a total of 16 hours. She told her team that she could not finish the swim, and she hopped into the boat. And she sat in the boat, and getting warm, the fog lifted, and she discovered that she was one mile from the island. The key to finishing strong lies in the ability to maintain focus, and we must intently focus on what God has called us to do as Christians and folks the world is devouring us. We've got to stop letting them do that. We get distracted by, if it's sports, you get distracted by officiating, or you get distracted by an opponent, or you get distracted by an obstacle. We run the risk of being just like Florence Chadwick, coming up just short. The key to success in the life uh, uh, of the Christian is no different. Too often, Christians become offended by other church members. Christians become obsessed with materialism or oppressed by sin over which they have been given the victory. And just like a basketball shooter who takes his eyes off the target, or I used the illustration of a race car driver two weeks ago who's looking into the stands instead of the, uh, instead of the racetrack in front of him, Christians who take their eyes off of Jesus, they are bound for failure. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Finish strong. Quickly, in the few minutes that I have left, let me introduce, which dovetails nicely with principle number nine, is principle number 10, 
And for that, we go to a Bible character by the name of Gideon. <clears throat> if you've been sleeping, which I haven't seen anybody sleep, thank you, but let me say, of my 12 principles, this is the one I get the most excited about. Of all 12 principles, here's the principle. Since you are on the team, be on the team. Since you're on the team, be, all capital letters, bold, put a box around it, be on the team. Oh, listen to what Jesus said. No man can serve two masters. For he either he will hate the one or he'll love the other or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And it's quite obvious. It's basketball season. This is next weekend, March Madness is really going to begin with all the conference tournaments and many sports fans here in our church. And no doubt many of you will watch um, uh, U of A as they play in the Pac-12 uh, championship. Here's what you're going to see. There's going to be a team that has white uniforms and there's going to be a team that has dark uniforms. No team wears the same uniform. Too many Christians today, they are trying to wear the uniform of God and the uniform of the world. And the biblical account of, of Gideon, I I love this account. It is a great illustration of this point. Here's the, here's the situation. Do you remember? Gideon needed to go to war. Does anyone remember who they were going to go to war against? The Midianites. That's exactly right, Jack. They were going to go to war against the Midianites. It was going to be a, a, a tough battle. Gideon was like a general. He, he had been in battle before. And so uh, the Bible says in Judges chapter 7, Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return. Depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned to the people 22,000, and there remained 10,000. That sounds like a great way to build an army. We're going to war and God says to Gideon, now Gideon, here's what I want you to do. If anyone doesn't want to go to war, they're kind of afraid, you tell them to go ahead and go back home. 22,000 people left. Here's what I find. God wants fearless church members. God wants fearless church members, not those who are afraid. 22,000 men take a, him up off on the offer. And they secretly uh, 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 were so relieved, they were afraid, and they left. The biggest fear in a Christian life is, is, is that I'm going to fail. Um, the opinions of friends matter, and, uh, and I'm worried what someone else will think. Here's what I say to you. We should worry about what God thinks. That's who we should worry about. God's looking for some fearless church members that will stay in the battle. You know what Paul wrote to Timothy? For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of a sound mind. I'm telling you, God is the one who's looking for some fearless. Are you fearless? Are you fearless in your faith? God's also looking for some humble church members. God wants some humble church members. Now listen to what happened in this story. The cuts didn't stop there. Gideon, the Bible says, ends up with only 300 men. Listen to what the Bible says. And the Lord said unto Gideon, there's still too many of you. Bring them down to the water, and I will try them for thee there. <laughs> this is like a basketball tryout. 
Verse number two gives us additional insight here. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. I am powerful today. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dave. Uh, 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 God was saying to Gideon, by the way, there's no one sleeping right now. Isn't that great? <laughs> God said to, to Gideon, listen, there's still too many because if, if you go with 10,000, the people of Israel, they're going to say, hey, look, what we did, there's still too many of you. Um, and so God was looking for those who were willing to humble themselves and serve even though the numbers and the crowd didn't necessarily align. But I love what happens next. God wants some tenacious church members. God's looking for some tenacious church members. The Bible says, and Gideon came to Jordan, and he passed over he and the 300 men that were with him. They were faint. In other words, they were weary. They were tired. But then the Bible says, yet pursuing them. They didn't allow the obstacles of this world to cause them to quit. They kept serving. That word tenacious means persistent, annoying, intrusive, dog, persevering, unrelenting. The connotation is of a bloodhound uh, on the scent who will not give up. These people would not give up. It reminds me of a story over in Luke chapter 18. Um, uh, and you can read that at some time. Go back and read that. But it was about the widow that kept troubling me. And, and, uh, and uh, the Bible says, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Uh, God's looking for some tenacious church members that will not give up, will not quit, that will be in the battle, thicker and thin. Is that you? Luke 18, verse 5. Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. The account of Gideon uh, pursuing Midian is found in Judges chapter 8. It's a long passage of scripture. But would you listen to what happens? Uh, I, I love the Bible. There are some humorous parts of the Bible. In verse number 16 of this story, Gideon, he got a little upset. And here's what he did. And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars with them. And he taught the men of Succoth. Uh, he's teaching them a lesson. With briars and thorns. How would you like to be um, there with Gideon? <laughs> um, Gideon didn't take any junk. He was a tenacious leader. The context of the examples of tenacious from Luke with the widow lady apply to prayer. Does the word tenacious describe you as a church member? Are you faithful? Do you pay attention to the details? Be with us, number four. Here it is. God wants growing church members. God wants growing church members. None of us ever reach our growth potential. We are always growing. There's always more potential. Here's what's interesting in the story of Gideon. Gideon was a great leader. He took 300 men into battle, and those 300 men defeated the Midianite army. Now, we know that God defeated them. But Gideon, he was, it was amazing military conquest. But here's what Gideon did. And if everyone could look up here for just a moment. Here's too often what older church members do. Please listen carefully. The Bible says this. 
And Gideon made an ephod thereof, and put it in his city, even in Orpha. And all Israel went whither a whoring after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. Here's what happened. After the defeat of Midian, we don't read any more good things, good conquest of Gideon. He does not appear to build on his victory. Rather, here's what he did. He built an ephod to commemorate his accomplishments. And it became a snare to Gideon and his children. Folks, if you're older, you've been here for a long time. Some of you, your ephod is this. Well, in the old days, we used to do this. Your ephod is this. Well, it just ain't like it used to be. I wish we could go back to those days. Some of you put your ephod. I, I, there, I did win 50 people to the Lord one year. As if that's some great achievement that you shouldn't be trying to do right now. The fact is, is that church family, our best days have to be ahead of us not behind us. And if our best days are behind us, let's close the doors. We have to believe. And by the way, look around. There was a time in this church in 2009 when there were 225 people. And if we would have been in 2009, in November of 2009, when we had lost 50 people and we were running 225 on a Sunday morning, if the older people would have said, well, man, the old days were good. I wish we could go back to the old days. I preached a message in November of 2009 one more time. And I challenged all of the older folks, would you please give me one more season? Let's go. Look where we are today. There's some older folks, some older members who believed, believed that our best days were ahead of us. And we didn't have to be um, stuck in our quagmire of 225 people not even able to pay our bills. Folks, our best days have to be ahead of us. There's a world to reach with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Let's make sure we reach it. As Christians, we're either growing or dying. I mean no disrespect, but I do mean to be transparent. Oftentimes, the older we get, we allow our spiritual life to die with our physical body. Do you understand that? As our physical body begins to wear down, we allow our spiritual life to wear down. As our aches and pains improve, not improve, devolve every day, those aches and pains come and go as we get older. Well, I don't have to read my Bible as much. I don't have to pray as much. I don't have to go to church as much. I don't have to give as much. We equate the two. My friend, we can't do that. God's looking for some tenacious Christians if you're 80 or if you're 20. God's looking for tenacious Christians. Now, If you're on the team, what? If you're a member of this church, you're on the Tucson Baptist Church team. In other words, we have a mission. Our mission is summed up in six words. We're two. Number one. It's everywhere around here. We're to love God. We're to grow 
together. We're to reach. Everything we do is summed up in those six words, those three thoughts. That is our mission. And if you're on the team, be on the team. <clears throat> Embrace the mission. You say, I've gotten a little disconnected. Get connected again. If you are on the team, be on the team. Don't be content to sit on the sideline. Don't sit in the stands. Don't rah, rah, rah. Go after it, pastor. Go do it, pastor. I'll cheer you, pastor. Go. No, get on the team. Be on the team. Here's what I want to say. I want to be one of the 300, not the 22,000. I want to be 300 strong, not one of the 22,000. How about you?